NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It is the pod of thunder and rock and roll. And let's go. Duff McKagan's joke of the week. Hey, Chris Jericho. This is Duff McKagan. Uh, I didn't want to believe my uh, dad was stealing from his job as a road worker. But when I got home, all the signs were there. Thank you very much. <laughs> ah, yes. Very, very nice. Um, uh, wow. Duff is the man uh, of... Many jokes, some of them good, most of them like that one. Uh, but he is a Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, and he takes the time every single Friday, no matter where in the world he is or what he's doing, to phone in the joke of the week. Thanks to Duff and uh, re- the rest of Guns N' Roses on tour, hitting the Philippines, Jakarta, Taiwan, Hong Kong, and Abu Dhabi in November. And Fozzie's Judas Rising tour is rolling on as well. I'll get to that in a minute, because right now, i got to tell you who's coming up on today's show. Brian Pillman II, the only son of one of the pioneers of high-flying, and uh, getting his character over, reinventing himself, the late, great Brian Pillman. Uh, Brian, number two, lost his dad when he was just four years old, but he remembers a couple things which he'll share. Brian's got a lot of his dad in him as well, as you're hearing the conversation coming up. Brian's also talking about making his own name in the business and how he came back to wrestling in the first place and the advice he got from Pillman's close friend, Stone Cold Steve Austin. He trained with Lance Storm in Calgary. He talks about how he hooked up with Lance and what it was like training there. He's also talking about the recent knee injury he suffered that had him sidelined for a few months. He just came back uh, and what he planned to do in his downtime in the ring. Brian's got some goals for both New Japan and WWE and a plan on how to get there. Brian Pillman the second coming up and Fozzie coming to the Orpheum tonight in Tampa, September 28th. It's a hometown show for me in Florida and we finish up the U.S. leg of the Judas Rising Tour Saturday night Fort Lauderdale at the Culture Room tomorrow. Uh, and then we're playing the Rock Allegiance Show main stage, New Jersey, next Saturday, October 6th. And then we head to Australia and New Zealand, Auckland at the studio, November 7th, Melbourne at Max Watts, November 9th, which is my birthday, the Manning in Sydney, uh, November 10th, November 13th, Adelaide at the Gov, and November 14th, Brisbane at the Triffid. We will be there. I'll go check that out if you live in Australia or New Zealand. Then we're hooking up with Three Days Grace for some dates on their Canadian tour. Tour, Moncton on November 21st, Halifax the 23rd, Quebec City the 24th, 25th Montreal, 26th Armprior, which is basically Ottawa, 27 is uh, London, Ontario, 28 is Toronto, Ontario, then the 30th we go to Thunder Bay, December 1st at the Burton Cummings Theatre, the Burt in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, my hometown. Other hometown show for me. Second, we're in Regina. Third is Edmonton at the Starlight Room. And the fourth, finishing the Judas Rising Tour after 19 months, is going to be in Calgary at the Gateway. Go to FozzyRock.com for all ticket info, including how to buy packages for one of Fozzy's VIP meet and greets. We're legendary, one of the best in the business. We play a mini concert for you. We take pictures, we sign stuff, we hang out with you. You get to meet Jack Slade. What more do you want? Uh, So go to FozzyRock.com for all information. All right. He's at Brian Flying Jr. on Twitter. He's live on Talk is Jericho right now. It's Brian Pillman II. Here we go. We're here with, uh, with Brian Pillman II, which yes. is very regal, but this is wrestling, so you're probably going to end up being Brian Pillman Jr. for a while. Yeah, that's that's how it's, it's ending up being uh, promoted, and uh, people are introducing me and announcing me as that. I, I, I originally tried to go with the second. For kind of like branding purposes, you yeah. know, I, I really like the idea of the Roman numerals, Roman numeral two and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And, and just trying to uh, play onto that, that kind of that wrestling royalty idea, you know, like my father was in such a position of reverence and, and power in the, in the industry. And, and it was kind of, you know, it was, it was lost on me because, you know, when I was born, 
you know, he wasn't there or, you know, he, he was there, but you know, when I was like four years old, I lost him. So I kind of got removed from that, uh, that kingdom, so to mm -hmm. speak of, of wrestling. So I'm just trying to find my place and, uh, and just get back into, into the, uh, well, let's, let's, let's start about this. So, so, uh, how old are you? 24. 24. So you just had your, um, your, watch your leg there. If it's better for you to stretch it out oh, that way, you can too. So yeah. you came limping on the bus, like a grizzled old vet. <laughs> but terrible. you just started though. Uh, this year, right? Yeah, it's, uh, my very first match was December 30th of uh, 2017. Okay. So I was like, you know what? We're going to end off the year with, with one big match. And, and uh, I actually had like a dark match, so to speak, on December 18th. But I, I, I did it under under a different name. So I tried, you know, I, Alex King was my name. You know, I, <laughs> I, it was a tribute to my uh, older sister, Alexis, who uh -huh. actually passed away. And my younger sister Skylar, and her last name's King. So I was like, I'll okay, be Alex King. perfect. But you, like you mentioned, so so you're the son of Brian Pillman, the only son, correct? Yeah. And Brian had f five children, four children. So uh, my sister, uh, all all of all of the children are half okay. siblings. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. my mother had uh, Alexis and and me and Jesse, and my dad had Danielle and Brittany. And Skyler is actually of no relation to him. Okay. So there's a little misconception online, I think, on Wikipedia or something, where Skyler's listed as one of his children, but mm. she's completely not biologically related to him. Okay. So but your dad passed away when you were four years old. Yes. It's been 20 years ago already. Yep. Wow. Do you have any memories of your dad at all? Yeah, I, I, I get that question a lot. And, and the one thing I can say I do remember is when he was wrestling in a dress on TV, I was very upset about that because you know I always thought my dad was the coolest. You know, yeah. like he would never do that. You right, know, right. I was like, this can't be real. And of course, his voice—you know—you can never forget that voice. It's very, yeah, oh, you know, voice, yeah. It's yeah. like it's like he's screaming, you right? Know, but you, you know, but he's not loud. You know what I mean? He has to scream just to be at a normal volume. Because he had a throat injury or mm -hmm. something along those lines. Yeah. yeah. So just growing up, you know, mm -hmm. he's just a young kid, and he had uh, polyps, which are like little throat tumors constantly had to be removed he had you know could could uh little throat uh whatever you call nodules it. Yeah. or whatever no yeah, no, no help you breathe yeah, yeah. so oh, yeah, yeah. To, always got made fun of you know when he was younger and stuff and i, I feel like that really hardened him up it really to help breathe him up. what do you mean do you have like a little like a like a tube in there yeah tube yeah oh wow so it like it would stick out of his throat that's why he had that that scar oh wow yeah like uh i can't remember what they call it, like a ventilator or whatever yeah, but he actually yeah. had that in there mm -hmm. interesting so that kind of gave him that voice for, for, for his whole life. Oh, yeah. said the very... scarring, the scarring of ah. over time, the constantly scraping out those little tumors and stuff. So when growing up without him, uh, as you open a, a Paps Blue Ribbon, PBR. Oh, yeah. We're in Ohio, man. <laughs> when did you start realizing that your dad was Brian Pillman? It was actually not until I got into my 20s. You know, Growing up, I, I knew he was a big deal in wrestling, and I, and I knew that... Uh, he was a famous person in that business, but I was—I more or less thought people would forget about him. I, I kind of thought, oh, you know, those were different times now. You know, things are changing. Wrestling's so different now. Like people would never, you know, they, they wouldn't remember him. And if they met me, they wouldn't know all who Brian Pillman is. And I was completely wrong. I was so wrong about that. Uh, his followers and, and his fan base are just so—I want to say cult-like, but I want to say that in a good way. I, I want to say uh, like, like a very passionate following. And it's it's almost it's it's unreal. Like it wasn't until I was like 22 or 23 when I started reaching out. You know, I think I tweeted at Lance like, "Hey, are you, you know, you accepting students? I'm thinking about getting into into wrestling." And it was like somebody just saw that, screen capped it, wrote an article. I had 900 new followers like the next day. I remember kind of hearing about this out of nowhere because, like you said, you, you did end up having a little bit of a. Um, the, the thing with Lance um, and was that just basically out of nowhere did you just think I want to go to Calgary and train because that's kind of where your dad went to train or yeah so I, I thought I thought it would make a lot of sense and, and two I just I did my research you know and I was like who's the best like if I'm going to do this I'm going to do this all in who's the best trainer you know I don't want to go down and get hurt you know in some in some rusty old ring I want, I want to be uh, in the most professional training right. environment and obviously you can't just walk into the WWE Performance Center and say oh I'm Brian Pillman you know what I mean mm -hmm. so I was like I'm gonna, what's the most legitimate way to like pay my way and, and go do this and and I got in touch with Lance and he uh, sent me a nice lengthy email which you know outlined all the pros and cons of this business because I told him I was like look I was kind of I was kind of torn away from wrestling I was I was 
more or less led to believe by my mother and family that it was bad for me and it was going to do all this harm to me and it killed my father and all that. And then you meet guys like Lance and guys like you that, that you know, didn't kill you. Mm-hmm. You're still making a good living. Obviously, two different parallels. You know, you guys both started together. Right. But you went on different paths, but no, you know, no, no destructive paths. And it's just like all these people that say wrestling's terrible are just wrong. And I finally realized that after more or less succeeding at being a normal person, you know, going to college, got my degree, you know, sat at a, at a desk job making great money for a year. I was just like, you know what? What are you this doing? Is, I was, uh, I, I got my degree in information systems and business, like a minor in business. Um, so I was working on databases for car dealerships all around the Western hemisphere. So we mm. worked with Canada, Mexico, and South America. And basically people that worked at car dealerships would have issues with their databases, you know, different things I'd have to fix with the accounting. I was specifically with the accounting, uh, end of the software and I would, you know, help them out with that and, and solve mm. problems. It, it, it was really a fun job cause I do enjoy technology, but I kept uh, going to the top of the cubicles and coming down on people with double axe handles, and they were like, "Look, you gotta, you gotta get out of here." And I was like, "Yeah, you're right, I do." So, so it was in your blood. And finally, <laughs> yeah. it was time. Yeah. Had you ever thought about being a wrestler? But you said when you were a kid, no. But when you become an adult, did you start thinking like, "I really should try this," or were you trying to still ignore those uh, impulses? I, I want to say I, I, I wish I would have started sooner because I did have some earlier impulses when I was getting out of high school, you know, eighteen, twenty years old, but. The, uh, the social influence today is to go to college, go to college. All your teachers are telling you to go to college. And I saw what happened with my family and, and the risks that my father took and how our family ended up in ruins. And, you know, and the Pillman name, you know, could have more or less died off at that point. So right. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to make those, you know, I'm going to at least have a backup plan. I'm going to go to college and I'm going to do all these things that these teachers and everybody's telling me. And, and looking back, I, I don't regret it. I don't regret it at all. I think I learned a lot about technology and marketing and business in college, which is ultimately infinitely valuable in the wrestling world as well, as far as sure. social media and, and starting up a website, starting up a small business. I think every wrestler is just a small business. That's all we are. We're just, yeah. we're just trying to make our, uh, make our, make our dues and stuff. So, uh, I don't regret going to college. I, you know, I got some debt from it, but hopefully I can uh, use those skills I learned and uh, push forward with that in the wrestling. So when you decided to go to Lance's uh, um, school and he accepted you, what was it like for you to go to Calgary for one, the famous wrestling city? And once again, like we said, the parallels of that's where Brian, your dad, went to learn how to wrestle. What was that experience like and, and, and the whole training and the aspect of that? Uh, it, it was really cool uh, going up to Calgary. As you know, as soon as people heard got word of it, you know, Bruce Hart was reaching out to me and stuff. Oh, really? And, yeah, he's like, you know, come by the house and stuff. So I got to see where my dad used to live and stuff, and where he used to hang out. And and I actually I actually went to a club in uh, Calgary, in the city, and uh, the the bouncer checked my passport and stuff because I actually got robbed, my third day in Calgary. Really? So I got there early. I got there on like. Uh, Friday and practice started Monday so I had the weekend to kind of hang out and get to see the city and it was really beautiful too because it was like in the beginning of September and like the, the terrible winter hadn't hit yet yeah, so yeah. it was like perfectly beautiful out and uh, I went and was going into the gym and I hadn't picked up a lock yet for like my bag and I was like you know what I'll just put my wallet in my car so I go to put my wallet in my glove box and I guess as I'm walking away I hit unlock instead of lock because I always kind of point at my car yeah, and yeah. lock it. And, I, you know, some hobo or somebody must have seen me do that. And he no. just, when I was in the gym, he just went in, took my wallet, lost my debit card, my, my, my driver's license, all kinds of stuff. So uh, luckily I had my passport at the house because, my you know, everybody's like, don't ever lose your passport. So I wouldn't even bring it out. And that's um, what you guys, when you, when you train with Lance, he has a house for the guys right yeah so so lance has a the the his house which holds five students it's, it's pretty nice actually I, I wouldn't have mind staying there the, a lot of the guys developed some pretty cool uh, friendships there and stuff but he also has a network of renters that you rent out and i was staying with a woman that he uh gotcha. you know, a pretty nice woman that uh he had rented out from but yeah i had my passport went to the went to the club in calgary super nice you know there's a lot of cool places there the guy looks at my passport he's like He's like, cool name, bro. I was like, oh, thanks. He's like, you know, like the wrestler. I'm like, yeah, I know. And I'm walking. He's like, you know, you kind of look like him. You kind of built like him too. I was like, I was like, yeah, I get that a lot. And just walk, you know, totally no sold him. I was just like, yeah, yeah you know, I got, you know, this is a long line. I like, you know, but, but uh, on the way out, I kind of, you know, I smartened him up. I was like, yeah, I'm up here training, you know, my dad. And uh, he was actually 
really upset because he thought my father was a Calgary native. He thought mm. he was born and raised in Calgary. I was like, no, he's from Cincinnati, and that's where we're from. But and there was all that. a lot of guys that they thought that they came from Calgary because that's where they started. Oh yeah, they were yeah, born and raised there. Yeah, but that's the first thing I saw today. Like when um, you came to meet me, we were doing sound check here at the venue, and you know, we've got VIPs and stuff, and I'm kind of looking around, and then I'm like, I wonder, like. Kind of know what you look like, but not really. And as soon as you walked in, like, man, you you're built like yeah. Brian Pillman, just the wide shoulders, wide yeah. shoulders, and like the stocky legs too. Yeah. It was just very uh, interesting. You can see that right away, you know. Yeah, not many people have a mullet. Either yeah, in, and what's, in the, what's the deal with the mullet? Yeah. So actually, the deal with the mullet, uh, we were at practice at Lance's, and he was giving, you know, he gives these lectures about just every aspect of the business. Probably the most knowledgeable person in the business because mm. he's just like a, you know, he's just like a computer. Sure, you absolutely. Know? And uh, he was like, mullets were actually a functional haircut, so you could keep the hair out of your eyes and still sell really well with your with your hair. And he's like, that's why I had a rat tail, because I didn't want all that hair, but I still wanted to be able to sell really well. And that's where, too, and then he always, you know, he goes on to something else. And That's where you got the idea for the mullet, then? Yeah, so I was like, you know what? It, it's going to be over as hell, so it's going to be functional. Yeah. Well, I, I, was, I was flipping my hair back at practice all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was just like, I hate this. I hate doing that, and... I don't have to do that now, so it's great. And, but, but once again, too, that's a Brian Pillman oh, haircut. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Grew it out a little yeah. bit longer, and it's yeah. a bandanorama. Yeah. Uh, what, what would you think of, of training? How was that for you? Uh, training, uh, uh, to be honest, I, I expected a slightly higher level of athletes up there. Yeah. But he did have uh, he did have about 20 kids, so I think in the past he was a little more selective on, on who he allowed to uh, train there. But there was, there was about six or seven guys that were really, really keen, really smart, uh, really good, but, you know, it wasn't as rigorous uh, physically, you know. We did our conditioning and stuff, but it was very mental. You know, we had, we had a lot of like, you know, mental homework we had to work on. He he wanted us to really think about the psychology and, and take it back to the roots of wrestling because he's like, when you go out to these indie shows, he's like, you're not, you people are gonna tell you the wrong stuff. He's like, they're gonna steer you the wrong way. He's like, I really want to drill this into your head, like how wrestling is supposed to be, like how you're supposed to be in the moment, and and how a lot of you know the greater moments in wrestling happen when you when you do things on the fly and when you really go out there and just believe it's real and just pretend you're in a fight. He's like, what would you do if this was a fight? Like, what would you actually? How would you naturally react? And he's like, if you just go out there and choreograph everything. And he's like, that's not going to, you know what I mean? It's not going to look as genuine. It's not going to look as intense. Right, right, that intensity, right, right. like like when I see, when I watch like you and you and Benoit in Japan, and it's just that intensity. And, mm. and just even Japanese wrestling today, it's like, it looks like they're beating the hell out of each other. And, and they, they may, may or may not be. It might be a little bit stiffer than, than your average uh, match. But it's just, they go out there and they just feel it out, you know? Mm-hmm. There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are influencers on the internet which means Tubi is more popular than sponsored posts for digestive enzymes and high-coverage foundation. More popular than soft-launching your boyfriend. More popular than making boomers explode with rage when you tell them how much you make on a single post. Tubi. It's more popular than influencers. See you in there. Take to, did you play sports in high school at all or in college? Or? So uh, I played uh, high school football, and I was, a, I was a linebacker for the first couple of years, but I was, I was only on JV. I, I wasn't as good at the, uh, at the passing game and all that and reading, reading the, the quarterback and all that. So my coach was like, look, you're, you're one, of the, one of the meanest, hardest, you know, hitting dudes. We need, we need you on this defense. Why don't you uh, try defensive line? So I went to the D line at 185 pounds, and I was just manhandling dudes. So it ended up being I ended up being all star nose guard. My father played nose guard in, in Miami of Ohio, so I was just like, this is so cool. And there's just so many parallels. I'm not I'm not even trying to be like him, but it's some things are just your father's son, yeah. yeah. It, the, the truly the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, and mm. and that just comes to show. So uh, a lot of a lot of similarities with him. A lot of things different too. Uh, I ended up playing lacrosse. Uh, my dad played hockey, mm-hmm. so hockey wasn't as prominent. Lacrosse was growing; it was starting to pick up in uh, Northern Kentucky, and uh, it was funny because the referees, because it was a new sport in Kentucky, more or less, it's more of a northeastern Ivy League type of sport. They didn't know all the rules really, so I was taking my my hard hitting football style into lacrosse, and they were just like, "Well, whatever, you know." Like yeah. I'd knock some kid out because you don't have all the pads on; right. you just have a few pads and you got a helmet. 
And I actually knocked myself out one time just hitting somebody as I would in football because I wasn't sure. Got into college, played college across. We realized it's way more of a finesse sport. It's way more like soccer or basketball. Totally not like football. And I, yeah. Yeah, I was like, it's not for me, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So but what did you take to, to, to wrestling training uh, pretty naturally then? Yeah, few, some things were natural. Some things weren't, you know, definitely uh, just because I was so separated from it growing up. And, it, you know, it kind of left a sour taste in my mouth just watching it. You know what I mean? So the mental aspects, uh, not so much. I, I still have a lot of uh, homework I need to do on that. But, I mean, my first drop kick I ever threw, it was like it was like Lance looked at it and he just he didn't say anything. And that, that's when you know you did it right. <laughs> If he criticizes you, then you did it wrong. But if he just says, okay, then it's like, you know you did it pretty good. So it's like some things like that, you know, springboard off the top rope, you know. Air Pillman. Easy, yeah. First first try, just jump to the top. Wow. Yeah, I could never do yeah. that. Like like uh, springboard crossbody from like the inside turnbuckle, jump to the top. You know what I mean? Little yeah. things like that. Like I could jump really high. I, you know, I can run pretty fast. Like I just have natural, uh, you know, explosive athleticism. But as Lance would say, he's like, you got, he's got, he's like, you got all this power, you got all this explosiveness. He's like, you just need to control it, you know. You just need to slow down. He's always like, slow down, grab a hold, you know. That's wrestling, though, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting, and I'm sure I don't know if he told you this or not, but I mean, Lance was a big fan of of your dad. Oh yeah. And I remember literally when we were training back in 1990, the springboard at the clothesline off the top rope was not something that everybody yeah. did. Yeah. And it was called Air Pillman. Mm -hmm. I remember Lance going over, I'm going to do the Air Pillman. And I was like, oh, I bet you I could do it. And of course I would fall every time, never got it right. And every time he would just be like, bing, yeah. boom, oh, yeah. bing, boom. But that was him practicing the Air Pillman. Yeah, I think it was uh, Steve Gillespie. That, yeah, that yeah. Bell. He said, uh, he's like, you know, I love Lance, but you know, it really pissed me off. Every time I teach him one of my moves, he'd do it better than me his first try. Yeah. <laughs> Gillespie didn't have a lot of moves. Yeah. So. <laughs> Did you meet a lot of people that knew your dad? You mentioned Bruce Hart. Did he uh, tell you any stories, or was? Oh yeah, it was, yeah. It, was, it was cool, and you know he would talk about. Uh you know all the different things they used to do uh different stories about the stampede days and it's funny because like things he would tell me and uh different people would tell me would end up in that book too so i'd be reading the book that that the liam book by liam o'rourke <laughs> right i'd be like oh i heard about that already yeah, just yeah. firsthand from the people that were there just the different rib you know the calgary ribs and some of these ribs were just vicious hey, tell you us know some what of I mean? them that you heard about oh so uh they said they were uh they tricked my dad into uh doing a uh he hated like doing little press things and and they they were like yeah we we got you uh you're gonna go to the seniors home and and do a speech and, and talk to all the you know the senior citizens and all that and they they like totally signed him up for this and he was like come on guys you know i didn't want to do this <laughs> and i guess when he got back from it they like uh they uh they dressed up a dog in all his wrestling gear and they put a bucket of water on top of the door so <laughs> it's like he goes into the into the hotel or wherever they're staying and bucket of water drops on him there's a dog running around with all his wrestling gear on he's like what the heck's going on you know just just a good old calgary rib yeah, and stuff yeah, yeah. and, and there's way worse ones obviously you know? well, yeah but those, yeah. Are some <laughs> those, the, those those are some of the more tamer yeah, ones yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly did you um what did you think of of, of uh, i think it was just called flying brian wasn't it liam liam o'rourke's book yeah i think he called it uh, crazy like a fox crazy like a fox. Yeah, i'm sorry yeah, that's yeah. what's going no, yeah that's just pretty actually, cool I'm, I'm, starting to read that at some point and i forgot that i had it so no when I, you read these stories because it was a very honest story about uh portrayal of your dad right yeah yeah uh, very accurate i talked to uh steve austin about it and he said uh very accurate you know maybe one of the one of the only things that wasn't so accurate was when they were forming the hollywood blondes uh dusty came and said look you guys are going to tag together and i think in the book it mentions that steve didn't want to do it or he was kind of like politicking out of it, but he's like, no, 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 I was totally forward from the get-go. He told me, he's like, he's like, when I came in, uh, your dad was already a star. He's like, I looked up to him. He's like, I wanted to be a part of him. He's like, I, you know, you went, went, walked into the gym and you knew he was somebody, you know what I mean? You just saw right. somebody that was a star and stuff. But uh, so far, reading the book, it's it's awesome because you, re you read this book about your father's life. You never knew your father, right? Never knew who he was. And you're reading about him and you're just like, is that like, it's so much like me, you know what I mean? Like just the stupid little antics I, I've done when I was younger and just mm -hmm. my progression in, in wrestling and stuff. And I'm just like, wow, that's just something, that's something I would do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and, and I never had the chance to like mimic him or grow up being raised by him. It's just all natural. It's sure. just all genetics. Just all stuff. genetically, right. Yeah, but I mean, Dave Meltzer, I think, rated that that is like the best, or his website, rather, rated as like the best wrestling book ever. Mm -hmm. And I think that's because it was written by somebody that's not a worker. It was written by a journalist. So it was more or less, it's as if like Dave 
they've wrote a book. You know what I mean? It's going to be more or less factual and less about exaggerating and, and making up, you know, cool stories and, you know, mm. stuff. So, so it's like they're real stories and stuff. So. And you said that you spoke to Steve. Did you call him or did you do his show or how did you get to know him? Yeah. So, uh, Steve Austin's really the reason why I just I said screw it I'm gonna get into wrestling. How what happened? Um, I was I was on Twitter um, and I really just liked or retweeted something random and he happened to have caught me on Twitter and just followed me and I was like holy crap I just got followed by Stone Cold Steve Austin it was pretty cool he DM'd me he's like hey buddy or brother you know uh, I got this uh, belt of your dad's it wasn't a wrestling belt it was a weightlifting belt you know mm -hmm. what you do your squats or your deadlifts with and it says flying on the back of it at my house i want you to have it i'm gonna mail it to you oh, i was like cool. wow i was like this is super cool you know so i get the belt and it's got a it's got one of the 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 ranch broken school ranch hats in it so you know hook me up a little merch too and i'm like wow this is so cool I put the <laughs> belt on of course it fits perfectly and all that and i'm just like well if that's if that's any sign to to start looking into getting into wrestling i don't know what is you know what i mean you get your first belt it's almost like getting your first championship belt yeah. you know it's like but it's a weightlifting belt so still. i kind of relate that to that i still use it Every day, obviously, it's uh, really thick, durable leather. You know, sure, it'll, yeah, yeah. it'll go a long way. So I, I was like, "That's so cool!" And then after, after I just recently uh, injured my knee, it was it was the weirdest thing ever. I was I was you know rock bottom, super super upset. Uh, three four months of bookings just have to cancel, and I'm, I'm sitting at the end of my bed. This is like you know last Thursday or whatever. I get a call from Steve just out of the blue, you know what I mean? Like, and I'm just like, perfect timing. I needed that. So he kind of gave me some advice on just the business and, and he, how he had his problems with his knee and stuff. And he's just like, he said, uh, if there's one thing I can tell you about wrestling, he's like, it's just, just remember this, this ACDC song. It's a long way to the top. If you want to rock and roll. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Did you hurt? Is this the knee that you, you hurt today? Yeah. So my, my left knee. Yeah. I, uh, I was, I was just doing something simple, you know, good old kicks in the corner. And I thought I'd be a little innovative and, and do the little pop up off the bottom rope and, and, you know, make it look a little more devastating. But, uh, I, I had just came to practice uh i had crossfit from four to five and it's an hour drive to dayton practice was at 6 30 so literally just showered at crossfit came straight here and you know you get that runner's high when you do when you do a high intensive workout so i was just really ready to go i, I actually had a crazy practice i actually worked on uh i wanted to add the northern lights uh to my repertoire so. with with the roll you know like the rollover that ricochet does mm -hmm. but i was thinking maybe do that but transition into something else you know just trying to add some moves because you know it's 2018 you got to have yeah 50 moves you know? yeah that's right and training lance <laughs> was like have three moves and yeah. i was like all right drop kick power slam german like that's right. it that's all you and need. that got me by for a while but i'm like i'm working all these indies they want me to start slapping my leg and shit i gotta yeah. <laughs> i gotta step it up so you know adding some different stuff and then the last 10 minutes of practice we're like hey you know let's just do a little six-man tag because there's just six of us in the ring and and the older guys like the coaches had left or whatever and some guys are doing promos in the other room and uh they're like yeah just gotta go, go have some open ring time all right we'll have a little six-man tag and we were the heels working on some of the newer guys i don't even think they've had any matches yet we're just you know beating them up putting some boots on them and uh yeah just you just have you just having too much fun in the ring and not thinking and it, it's it's funny because we try to tell ourselves you know don't think too hard go out there and live in the moment and have fun but uh Sometimes that's when you it's when you get injured and yeah. when you yeah. Every move you do you have to be mm -hmm. paying attention. The fundamentals. So what did you do to it? It was a hyperextension, so you know how your knee bends, it just bent the other way. Yeah. Came down on it. Uh like I said, I was popping off the bottom rope. When I landed, my leg was fully extended and uh it went backwards the other way and it pulled out my PCL, which fortunately is not as crucial as the ACL. They don't even repair it. So uh they said they're gonna let that heal up. But he wants to go in surgically and just check on the meniscus. He said that they couldn't tell from the MRI whether the meniscus was torn or not. But he said there might be a root tear there. So they just want to make sure because they were like, look, you're, you're, you're young. If we can fix up this meniscus and, and repair it surgically, we're going to do that. Because if you don't, you might think you're fine. But over time, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. going to get arthritis. And by the time you're 40, you're going to need a knee replacement. So they're like, look, let us just take care of the meniscus if it needs it. If it doesn't need it, they're going to pull out close it up and so you know, how long you have to be out for so three months if the meniscus is fine if they want to repair the meniscus it's going to be six months total uh the first six weeks i'd be you know off of it had to yeah, do yeah, crutches yeah. and stuff it's frustrating when you're young oh yeah especially, but yeah because you just basically started mm -hmm. your career how many matches have you had so i've had about uh i want to say 26 okay 
but I had like one night I had like four matches in one night but you know it was kind of all like a you know it was its own story I kind of structured it as one big match so mm -hmm. I don't really count that as four whole matches um, but yeah I've had about 26 27 is matches. there a lot of work in this area uh, believe it or not just being in Cincinnati I'm so I'm so central that there's just within like a four to five hour circle there's a lot of a lot of indies to work a lot of places to go uh, a lot of people are curious to see what I can do in the ring and stuff and and uh, you know I was really nervous too and, and Lance warned me about that just be, having that name he's like people people are gonna they're gonna tear you down man he's like if, if you're if you're bad if you go out there and just and shit the bed he's like they're gonna they're gonna crucify you and and that really scared me and uh I, you know i thought about wearing a mask i thought about changing my name like i said my very first match i used a different name and then when i went out there for the first time with my real you know with my real legal shoot name i was like you know what these people don't hate me they love me you know i'm, I'm not the best obviously uh, but you know my my second or third match i, I used brian Pullman the second and uh, everywhere I've gone, people have wanted me to come back. So that's all I can ask for. Uh, I know there's a lot of rough edges to clean up, but if the fans are go home happy and they want to see me again, and the bookers and promoters are happy, then I'm happy and everybody's. Uh, but like happy. you said, the, 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 what could be not a detriment, being the second generation, obviously you're going to get compared. Oh, yeah. but, if, but but if you're good, that's going to help you being a pillman. Yeah. If you're the shits. It's gonna probably hurt you to be a pill yeah. while he's just getting a chance. But if you can take that name value and 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 harvest that, it's gonna help your career. Oh yeah, you know, and that's the good thing about it. Yeah, and I, and, and I uh, I got the pleasure of meeting uh, Cody Rhodes when I was in Canada. He was oh. booked on a show in uh, Calgary. Him and his him and his girlfriend, or fiance wife, wife yeah. rather. Sorry, uh, were booked on a show up there, and uh, he was like, "Hey man, look." Look, you know, I, I know all about it. You know, the guys like us were, were held to a higher expectation. And he's like, it doesn't hurt you that your father passed away. He's like, people, they miss him and stuff. He's like, he's like, you know, don't take advantage of it. But he's like, it's not going to hurt you. He's like, no, yeah, no. yeah. He's like, he's like the fact that that you're somebody that's trying to start, you know, and you're, you're trying to pay your dues and and go to the right training and stuff. He's like, you're doing all the right things, you know. So he was really nice to meet and talk talk to. We sat down on the floor and you know had a nice little talk about that. There's so many second generation wrestlers. I mean, you look at Orton and you look at you know all the Samoan guys, Roman mm -hmm. Reigns, everybody like that. Once in a while, you'll get a guy like a David Flair that just doesn't connect, but. I found that most second generation wrestlers are pretty good. And even though you didn't grow up in the business per se, you mentioned before, it's just in your genes. Yeah. You know, genetically it's cut out for it. You know? Where did you uh where was your first match? So my very, very first match as Alex King was in the CWAI warehouse against Cody Hawk, who was actually the trainer of Dean Ambrose. So that that's uh, that name, yeah. his credibility uh goes there and it was really cool, you know. Call it all on the fly. That's how those older older guys are. And to me, that's that's a really intense and yeah. fun way to wrestle. And then my second match ever was December thirtieth. I was like, look, I'm coming out. Brian Pillman the second wrestled a kid that was 18 years old, had already been wrestling three years, super knowledgeable. You know, we 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 spotted out a bunch of cool stuff. I actually did a springboard sunset flip. Which Lance told me to do. He's like, "Look, do this. Nobody does this." Yeah. <laughs> He's like, "Nobody actually goes up to the top and does a sunset flip. They're gonna think you're gonna go for like a move, but you're right. gonna, you know, catch him in a pin." I was like, "All right." So I did that. Actually, uh, did your move, which people I guess call it the triangle drop kick or the or the yeah, springboard I saw that. I drop watched kick. On Twitter, and I was like, oh, he did it yeah. better than I did." Yeah. <laughs> I always love when you when they it's called the triangle drop kick. I'm yeah. like, really? Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> Who worried at that? Invented it, and I never <laughs> called it that. So actually, I did invent it. Uh, Ultimo Dragon was the first guy I ever okay. saw do that from the second rope. But I used to do it right from the top. Oh. Okay. And then as I got older, and I would fell a couple times. Oh, like you would actually run and jump, jump to the straight top. to the top. Oh, yeah. Right. Without a post or nothing. A flag and then I realized or... it's the same. Yeah. Is when you do it from the second. It's, it's funny you bring that up that you quit doing it from the top. I was I was looking at some of your old Japan stuff and you did the lion salt to the outside of the ring. And I know, did you stop doing that because from a triangle was, position, like like running, like you're going to do the drop yeah, kick for the second, but, you, but then flipping over the top. And I don't remember who gave me the idea for that. I did that for years, but the last time I did it was um, a pay per view I had against Benoit in '96. I think it was my first WCW pay per view, and I tried it. And I misjudged it. I came down kind of on the apron side, oh. and it was like that's enough for that. Yeah, one. it looks it yeah. looks risky. That's but why I, I was like, I, I did think it you quit uh, doing all it. throughout ninety 
94 and 95. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, but you know, when you're younger, you when just younger, do that yeah, crazy yeah, yeah, shit, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, what kind of over. stuff do you do? That, that gives obviously your dad was one of the pioneers of high flying. You look back now and it's very archaic. It's oh yeah. Laughable. Yeah. Yeah. But are you, is that your style? You, are you flying like he was or what? Yeah. I, I really enjoy, uh, looking at guys that are, that, you know current wrestlers today that are my my size my height you know what yeah. they're doing kind of that hybrid style you know guys like kenny omega guys like yeah. yourself that can kind of do it all and then lance kind of broke that down to I me mean, he's like look you're not huge you're not small you're right down the middle he's yeah. like you're gonna have to do whatever people want you to do whatever it calls for big man matches little man matches he's like just try to learn everything i was very curious about you know more of the technical side you know like i wanted to learn different leg holds and stuff like that but I do, I do like, I do have a pretty nice drop kick. I like to utilize that. I like to utilize a good snap power slam, kind of taking a page out of Randy Orton's book. And yeah. I wanted to, Lance's. I wanted to learn a German, like. A, but he told me he's like, don't do a German if you're just gonna land on your back and then bridge up. He's like, it's not a German. He's like, a real German is when you land in the bridge on your head and it, it looks really pretty. And I'm like, look, I'm going to do that. I promise you. So he wouldn't let us do it at his training because he didn't want anybody breaking their neck. But I started utilizing it in my matches and it went over pretty well. Just I'm very flexible. I got a nice bridge. So um, working on, you know, adding different different suplexes and stuff, just utilizing my flexibility. I think I've done like over 200 classes of hot yoga. Super, it, it, It's a crazy freak accident that I got injured because I'm just like always yeah. keeping my body finely tuned, whether it's CrossFit or, or uh, yoga and stuff. But, but yeah, I think I have a very hybrid mixed style. You know, I, it was my fourth or fifth match. I don't know if you've heard of the wrestler Joey Janela. Yeah, yeah. Independent. Yeah, he was like, look, he's like, I know, you know, you don't want to get hurt or anything, but I want you to just jump to the top, cross body to the outside. I'm going to push in the barricade, dive over the barricade. I'm like, all right, let's do it. So it's like Lance is teaching us, all right, don't do all these dives and everything. Yeah. Just keep it basic. Literally fourth match, third match. I've already done two dives to the well, outside. The is, here's the difference, though. You learn properly. You understand the foundation yeah. and the foundation, the initial stages of psychology. So you know that it's too much, yeah. but you're doing it because like you mentioned, you have to make a name and yeah. that's what guys want to do. But that's going to end up in the long run helping you become a much better performer because you're going to figure that out very quickly, which sometimes takes guys years to figure out. Yeah. You know, I had Joey on the show um, and he's he's another guy that just kind of one of those just he's making all this stuff happen just yeah. by making it happen. He just gets it. Yeah, know. exactly. So, um, is there you're gonna try and go like worldwide? Talk to the UK. Um, that sort of an idea. Or you're just trying to stick to the states for now. So I, I'm really interested in uh, just the, the Japanese the route. Um, I, I really enjoy their wrestling. I, I always end up watching. Okada or, or Kenny or Shibata, you know what I mean? So I, I really like that style. I'm almost, it, my, my suspension of disbelief is almost instant when yeah, I watch yeah, those yeah. matches. Um, and I, I just get lost in it. So I've had the opportunity uh, through through somebody to perhaps send some film over to, to Guido and maybe get on get on with their with their uh, program over there, but but that's obviously going to be on hold right now with my injury, and, and I do want to I do want to generate some some really high quality matches and footage before I start sending stuff over there. So which is smart, you know. It's interesting too. Um, I think I might have read something. Did you, did you tag with uh, David Wood Smith Jr. Are you going to, or was there thoughts about it? Uh, so you know, everybody and their brother claims to be a promoter you know booker nowadays so i was contacted by a, a gentleman in london and uh, he said hey we're gonna bring you in you know i've contacted harry smith we're gonna tag you guys together and all that but but that that fell through so uh it okay. was it was cool i got to meet harry uh up in uh calgary so we, we hung out a couple times uh one time was at a show he was booked on him and jeff jarrett were on the show it was rcw was it the one yeah. jarrett was really wasted or yeah right? it was actually yeah. so, there, so there's a couple headlines i was i was present for up there it was the one where jarrett was was drunk or whatever but god bless him you know he's, he's got help and yeah. everything hall of fame yeah. so proud of him but uh the other one was in harry saved that woman's life on the bridge oh tell us about that story. yeah so so harry you know he's he's dressed in this blue full kimono suit Looks like a superhero. Such a weirdo. Yeah. And when he shows up to the shows, that's, you know, he dresses, when he shows up to his wrestling shows, he's in full, you know, white mink fur, you know, just the whole, the whole 20 yards of, right, right. of how, <laughs> how luxurious can you look? And uh, he's like, yeah, he's like, you want to meet up and watch the pay-per-view tonight? I can't remember uh, which one it was, but I was going to hang out with Bruce Hart and, and Harry and uh, Diana. Yeah, yeah. Uh, his mother and... Uh, they were at someone's one of the old 
uh, TV or not TV, but cameramen that worked for Stampede. So, you know, just some old friends getting together. And I was like, all right, so I'll meet you there. I get there and he's like, meet there at 630. Well, it's like seven o'clock. He's not there yet. You know, pay-per-view is about to start and uh, pay-per-view starts. And I'm like, where's he at? And then finally they pull up and he comes in the house and him and him and his mother and he's just shaking. And we're just like, is everything all right? And he's like, hey, man, he's like, yeah, one another one of those beers. I just need to chill out. So I, you know, I give him a beer. And uh, he just sits down. And he's just like, he's on his phone. He's like, you know, just like this dude's like shaking. I'm like, what's going on? And, and then finally they break it down. He's like, yeah, I just saved this woman's life off this bridge. She was going to commit suicide. We were driving by, and you can just imagine, like he looks like a superhero. He gets out of the car. Like he's six foot five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> dives on her. You know, probably puts her in some jujitsu <laughs> yeah. move and just. That's what he's apparently saying. Like you know. You can't escape, so don't even try. Yeah, I don't I'm a even try. Yeah. Jiu-Jitsu expert or yeah. whatever. Yeah, I couldn't escape if that man yeah. got his hands on me. He's a, he's an absolute monster and just one of the nicest people I've ever yeah. met. And he told me all the cool restaurants to go to and the Persian food. And well, there's and a Calgary. little bit of a connection between you guys because mm-hmm. his dad passed away. Obviously, Davey and Gilman yeah. teamed together for years. You know, I, I, it's almost like you could start a club with with Benoit's son and with. Uh, um, Owen's son, yeah. Owen's son. I don't know if he's even knows anything about what's going on with wrestling or whatever. But this, this whole crew of guys yeah. that have all passed away and have these these sons that are yeah. around, you know. And there's just there's so much p- potential with the hearts, like you said. There's so many hearts in Calgary. Yeah. It's like John Hart, Matt Hart. You know, meet yeah, all these. Yeah. They, you know, they had twelve kids, and then those twelve kids each had twelve kids. Yeah. So it's like there's just right. five. There's five hundred hearts, and it's like the you're, Bible. Yeah, you're never you're never done meeting them all and and stuff. But yeah, a lot of a lot of potential with with people, and I. I think think some people some people don't want to do the same thing that their parents did or, or maybe they're you know they're tired of of being compared to their to their to their parents and so they want to they want to branch out and do different things and i understand that and all that and you know maybe maybe if i had grown up with my father i might have been the same way like oh no you know my dad's trying to shove wrestling down my throat you right. know you know push it push it away but but i since, since i was taken away from it for so long it's like it was just like I was starving forever right, yeah, for my whole yeah, life. Sure. I was starving, and now it's like all these fans are connecting with me. And it, is your mother still alive? Yeah. So, so my mother, you know, it's quite a long story with her. Uh, not, I haven't had the best relationship gotcha. with her. Uh, you know, without getting into too many details, yeah. uh, just a lot of neglect and uh, abuse from my stepfather. Uh, I ended up moving out of the house when I was thirteen. Wow. Uh, lived with my best friend Paul for a couple years. Shout and out then, to Paul. Yeah. Shout out to Paul. <laughs> And uh, lived with him and his single mother, who who you know took care of me more than anyone mm-hmm. had at that point. And that's when my my grandmother uh, passed away. So then my aunt, which is my dad's sister, her name is Linda Pillman. She's basically my guardian angel, the closest thing I've ever had to a gotcha. mother. And uh, she came down and took care of me. She bought a whole house with her, you know, with her whole retirement. You know, just bought a house right off the front cash. You know, here you go. Yeah. And was like, I want you to be able to go to this high school, you know, really nice high school at Dixie Heights and keep your friends and keep playing football and lacrosse and stuff. So I've really got to thank her for just having that foundation for me. And in the same sense, like her mother, my grandmother did that for my dad, you know, like had a, a base for him where he could stay while he was pursuing wrestling and stuff like that. What did um, what does your aunt Linda think about you getting into the business? Oh, she loves it. And it's funny because growing up, I would have never thought that how much she knows. Like, she knows a lot about wrestling and stuff. Like, she even knows all the lingo, but she would never say that around me. But now that I'm in the business, she, like, gets it all, you know? <laughs> so uh, it's cool. And she, she'd tell me, oh, your dad, he, he tore his shoulder, and he was out for three months, and he was studying. It's like, you know, it's like literally the same story, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I tear out my knee, I'm going to be out for three to six months. So, And it's it's so different now. Like, you guys used to have to, like mail each other tapes and stuff like you guys have to you used to have to send mail yeah and i i've never sent mail in my whole (laughs) life so i have the luxury of just looking up online oh i want to watch aj i want to watch ricochet i want to watch these guys i can just do it at the click of the finger and i think a lot of us younger guys we take that for granted you know we we think oh you know i'll just look it up later or something we don't actually uh, realize that how much work you guys put in to to build this industry and to really just create it you know you guys did so much do you ever watch uh, your dad's stuff? Yeah, I, I I watch a lot of it. It's funny because I I always ask people what what is your you know what are your top ten favorite you know best wrestling matches of all time and they always include my dad's match with Liger on there and I've probably watched that match <laughs> five hundred times because I'm just like what was the most innovative thing 
in high flying at that period of time and you watch it and it's like okay and then you watch stuff today and it's just like oh my gosh you know just that the, would be an interesting match for you to have versus liger yeah you know it's it's always funny when you see guys that you knew and their kids are growing up and i'm not quite that generation with davy and all those guys but it's still pretty cool to me i remember going to a pay-per-view in like 1990 at the silver dollar action center in calgary SummerSlam, and seeing this little kid running around with dirt all over his face just causing shit he's probably three or four years old and it was harry you know what i mean but um the best pillman match for me was uh the five on five uh calgary stampede match uh that was called the pay-per-view for wwe okay the heart foundation yeah yeah yeah, yeah. That crowd reaction yeah was insane yeah, you know Brian was such a good character. Yeah, and I think that's why there's been this resurgence in interest in Brian Pillman. A, when he was younger, he was a great wrestler, but as he got older and after he got hurt, he relied more on his personality and character. Very important. And I think that speaks to the longevity of, of people's careers. You know, just like you know, it's not all about the moves and stuff. Like yeah. people ask, "Oh, what was your dad's finisher?" I'm like, they didn't have remember. finishers yeah. back then. The Air Pillman was just. A signature move, you know. He did a lot of head scissor stuff, and you know he dove on people and drop kicks. But, but back then it was more about getting the crowd in the palm of your hands. And I feel like his greatest talent was he just owned the crowd. You know what I mean? He just had them in his grasp. A very believable character, you know. And and the, of course the famous Pillman story. Where uh, did you hear the the podcast I did with Dave Meltzer about? Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah, I loved it. Um, just the fact he was able to work the whole industry into getting WCW and Bischoff to fire him mm -hmm. uh, because he was trying to work everyone that got fired and then taking those fire papers and going to get yeah. hired by Vince. I mean, it's one it's one of the most uh, genius double crosses. If he you was will, working the workers. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can never happen again. <laughs> You know? Oh no, no, not with all the all the bells and whistles and corporate red sure, tape and everything exactly. today. Yeah, Twitter and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But do you? I, I wonder how he would have tackled social media because mm -hmm. I've actually I've I've read an article that he was on AOL and had like a, a fan base on AOL group chat. Mm. So it's like he was social media before social media right. was social media, you know? So he was doing all this before Facebook and he kind of had them and he would feed them stuff, whether it was a work or, you know, stuff. And my mom would, you know, kind of mandate the, the groups while he was on the road and stuff. Like, oh, Pilm, you know, he's coming yeah, home yeah, yeah. in a couple of days and stuff. So I always wonder, he, I mean, he would have just owned social media. So he would have found a way. Cause like, like so many people tell me, oh, your dad was 10, 20 years ahead of his time. And I'm like, well, what would that be like today? What would he have been like today? Mm -hmm. So, a lot of ways, I think you're right ahead of his time, which is why he was able to pull it off. You know, like I said, to, to, to me, just I remember um, actually, I wrote um, my fourth book, just, just came out. It's called Noah's a Four Letter Word, and it's uh, principles of things that I've learned over the years on how I made it and did all these different things. And they're all bits of advice that either I got from a person, a fictional character. You know, family member, whatever, and one of them is the Brian Pillman principle, yeah. which is uh, he uh, always uh, if you want if you want to make it do something different, yeah. do something that's never been done before. Done before, and that's what he told me. Yeah, in only very minimal interactions, I only met him maybe one day. His last day in ECW was my first, basically. Yeah, and that's the only time we ever interacted, and that was the advice that he gave me, and I just never forgot it. But it was very, very smart. Uh, piece of uh, piece of intelligence there for sure. Yeah, I remember uh, hearing that in the podcast, and me and my buddy kind of speculated. But now I'll ask you, what what was that one thing that you think you did in your career that that nobody else had done? I that... don't think it's just one thing, dude. I think it's always just playing against yeah against type. You know, always reinventing myself, always you know different costumes if if, if or, or a different look mm -hmm. every week or yeah. whatever it may be. Just trying to be different, different. from everybody yeah. else. And if you look through my body of work, there is differences, different move here and there, different look, different personality, completely ditching, you know, all this Y2J character and coming out in a suit and tie and being very quiet and being very angry and, you know, very, very Pillman-like. Yeah, even yeah. this year, when I did the thing with uh, Kenny Omega, Meltzer said it was a very Pillman thing to yeah. do, just <laughs> fool everybody and show yeah. up. Yeah. You know, but that once that's the influence of this it. guy that's been gone for so many years. Mm -hmm. But here you are coming in. And the thing that I like I like about you we've just we just met today is you're obviously smart, you got a college degree, you're not just some guy that's like just trying to make a couple bucks, brother. Like you have making this decision, but you also did it very smart with this pressure of being a pillman. Yeah. And it's know? funny I just talking about having a degree and having a backup plan when I when I met Christian 
at uh, Creative Pro, one of the one of the matches I, I had. What's Creative Pro? Creative Pro is uh, Pat Buck and uh, Kurt Hawkins. They have a school in uh, oh, in the Northeast. Yeah, also, New York. Christian came in to be like a trainer, guest yeah. trainer. Uh, they actually did Somewhere. a they did a show. Uh-huh. They did a like a charity show, and uh, Christian was like a guest, like a meet and greet type gotcha. deal. So I met him, and it was funny. He was like, I did the opposite. He's like, I. Uh, He's like, I took out my student loans and, and didn't go to college. He's like, I, I didn't want to back up plan. He's like, I wanted to either fail or just, you know, he, he's like, my only option was to succeed in wrestling. Right. So I, I kind of like that. And I was like, you know what? I wish I had, you know, <laughs> I wish but, I had done that. But, but in a way, everything, you know, was I did the same thing you though, because I met Jesse the Body Ventura on the street in Winnipeg one day, just walking down the street, like, holy shit, that's Jesse the Ventura. And, um, he was really cool. He hung out with me way longer than I would ever hang out with some kid that came up to me on the street. Yeah. I'd be trying to get rid of the kid. Um, but he said, you know, you got to have something to fall back on. And I went into journalism school. Okay. And this, but the skills I learned in journalism paid right off even yeah. what we're doing right now. So everything that you've done will help you in the business. Like you mentioned, knowing social media and technology and all that other stuff. It's a smart move. Who were some of your favorites uh, when you, when you started really watching wrestling? So when I was younger, I was I loved I loved the Hardy Boys. Obviously, just loved them to death. I you know I try not to be a super mark when I go to these shows and meet people because it's like oh I'm in the business now you know try yeah. not to, try not to ask them for a picture but but I couldn't help but but get a picture with Matt and Jeff and oh, you've met them before yeah and and the coolest thing was at the at the memorial shows when I was a young kid I know you you were one of them yeah, yeah you did one of yeah. one of the early ones and uh, I I went in out them out with them in their entrance. With the Hardys? Yeah, and Lita and everything. Yeah, so well, I you ran were like, out what, there. Ten or something? Or? Uh, this was. I think these were early on, so I was probably like five or six. Oh, wow. These are one of the very first ones because wow. they they went on a hiatus for a while. Yeah. And then ten years later, they did another one, and I was thirteen. I and think uh, they did one in ninety nine. So yeah. Ninety nine. So I would have been. Yeah, I would have been six or seven. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, so I've always just had a soft spot for for Matt and Jeff and just meeting them, and it was cool because they had just got they just went to wrestlemania and got those belts but they but the wwe was like look you can finish your indie dates and i think it's cool that there's so much crossover now like this would have never happened you know years ago they would never let you go somewhere else and you know they're they're starting to realize that the competition is is benefiting everyone you know so they let them finish out their indie dates i'm like holy crap these are the raw tag team titles you know just like hanging out with them and you know just just in this was before i even started training you know so just kind of just enjoying that but but yeah i really enjoy them uh obviously like watching my dad and stuff uh i really like i'm very inspired by uh kenny omega i don't i don't know what what it is maybe he reminds me a little bit of my father you know obviously you i do yeah i do one of your moves in the ring so clearly i'm inspired by by your you and and just your hybrid that hybrid style of just being able to do it all and and just also the, the the larger than life personality. I think I think I I really relate to that kind of that rock star um, lifestyle, or you know just just going out there and being so confident that people just hate how confident you are. You know what I mean? You're just right. bleeding confidence that it's just like they they wish they had it. So it's like you're almost like you're you're almost a heel, but you're really like people want to be you so you're really not a heel you know you're just yeah. like oh, i love you but i hate that i love you you know <laughs> um do you now that you're you have this injury for three months what are you going to do uh are you going to study something or you, it seems like you're not just going to sit there yeah yeah so i actually my i have this cool idea that i was going to do and uh I, be, I was watching some dean Malenko and chris benoit stuff and i was like you know what i'm going to actually take a like a powerpoint or something and i'm going to find every hold i can and it'll probably just be a bunch of slides of Dean, but like I'm gonna, you know, I saw uh, T.J. Perkins doing some cool stuff, and I just really want to step up my technical game because I think I could do that injury. You know, I could find a buddy and just put holds on him, and you know, not not sure, not sure, be sure, running sure. around. So I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do a slideshow. I'm gonna take a picture and put you know different holds. I'm gonna name them all because so many of them don't have names. You know, we just do them and we don't even think about it. But I commented on TJ's picture. I was like, oh, what do you call that? A cravat crab? Because it was like a single leg crab, but he had a cravat hold on it. And he was like, oh, I didn't even think about that. We'll, we'll call it that. So I'm going to just name all these holds. I'm going to try to get a 1,000 of them by the time I'm back. A 1,000 holds. 1,001. It'd be the literal yeah. man of a, You know the man of a 1,004 holds, but I forgot about 700 of them. Yeah. But you're going to be the literal 1,000 man of a 1,000 holds. Yeah, I figure that's a good exercise. And just, just taking notes on matches, you know, uh, different ways to get into this stuff. Like, like I, you know, uh, watch a match with you and AJ. Uh, AJ's he's just phenomenal, awesome. right? You know yeah, that's the word to describe him. So, yeah, 
And it would, you know, it wouldn't matter what he wore or what he did. Yeah. It's just, it's just, he's, he's just, just good he's just as good. good. Yeah. yeah. He's one of those special talents for so sure. D- different ways to get into that, those setups with that, with, with different drop kicks and stuff, you know, like I try to keep it simple. You know, I, I don't, I'm not the, the flippiest person ever. Uh, I, I do want to be, I aspire to do the things, you know, to have all the moves that Ricochet has. I know that that kid's wrestled for 20, you know, 15 years and he's, you know, he's still really young. So, I mean, it takes time, you know, it takes time to add to your repertoire, safely add to your repertoire. I, I got injured doing a kick in the corner, you know, so That's the way it always is. Yeah. So yeah. I just got to slow down. I think I was, I think I was going too fast. Everybody goes too fast when you mm-hmm. start. You just can't yeah. help yourself. Not not just in the ring, just but just with getting booked and travel. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Just not even second guessing where I'm working. I went to a show. You know, not not trying to dog on any promoters or anything, but I get there. And, you know, I get paid right off the bat, but they had to cancel the show. Four hundred something fans are in this building. The show's supposed to start seven thirty, but the doctor didn't show up. So it's like I need a vet. I need a vet where I'm going more. I need to slow everything down. And I think that this was my wake up call. This was my uh, putting the brakes on it, so to speak. I would have rather have like slowly put the brakes on it instead of just rear ending somebody. <laughs> but I just rear ended somebody, yeah. and now I gotta you know pay the insurance and pay the medical bills. And what's your uh, what's your overall plan? What's your end game? Uh, I think I, I think I want to make this into make this into a career, you know. Well, obviously, but where yeah. the where, oh where, yeah where oh like to yeah go? we all want to make it to yeah. to the WWE and that, is that at WWE yeah. and I, I think uh, I think that would be a great place for me. Just you know, so many guys would would be willing to uh, to help me navigate that that political structure. You know, guys like Regal, guys like I think it's funny. I actually I'll, I'll go ahead and say this now. Uh, I believe that Triple H changed my diapers when I was a kid. So, <laughs> so really? yeah. So uh, I think the the one year that they were in WCW together, I tried to add up the years because my mother told me this, right? So sometimes she says things that may or may not be true. But but uh, when I met Shad Gaspard, he's like, "You better tell him that when you meet him. You know, that'll be cool." So I think I think just as far as coming back to the wrestling family, I think going to the WWE is is where a lot of my my father's uh, friends and family members the thing were. Is about Brian is is. Almost everybody liked him. Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned Regal. Have you talked to Regal? Yeah, so I I, uh, I, I got in touch with Regal, uh, and uh, he, he, he actually, before I started training with Lance, he offered for me to tour the Performance Center. So I went down there and checked it out. I was like, wow, it's amazing, you know. And uh, I'm, not, I'm not someone that's just going to be like, hey, you know, give me a job, you yeah, know. Yeah. So I was like, you know. I talked to one of their producers, Ryan Katz, and he was like, he was like, Lance, this is a great place to go get your foundation. And he was like, when you're ready, you know, just send us some stuff when you're ready. And I've yet to send them anything. I want my first impression with them to be to be just top notch. You got a lot to live up to, but yeah. you know, like I said, if you show some potential, mm-hmm. you'll get a shot. Yeah. Because a, you deserve it, and yeah. you've earned it, and b, yeah. there's a lot of goodwill towards towards Brian Pillman. Yeah, and sometimes that P word potential, it can be, you know, it can be harmful, and yeah. and everybody's blowing that, you know, blowing that smoke up up me, and and they're like, oh, you got all this potential, this pedigree, but but I think uh, I think it really started to show when I when I stepped through the curtain for the first couple of times, and I was like, okay, I really do have somewhat of an it factor. It's not just a bunch of people That's blowing smoke know. up my when ass. You have that yeah. confidence, too. yeah. You know, um, do you think that? Um, because like I always say to some of the guys, there's no rush. You know, WWE's not going anywhere. Yeah. Would you rather tour around and do what AJ did and do what Kenny's doing, or would you rather go quicker to the WWE? What's what's kind of like your your thoughts? Uh, I think I would benefit from a uh, just like you know having gone to college and, and had a had a corporate uh, job before. I think I would benefit from the structure of the WWE. I think it would ground me. I think I'm somebody that without without those limitations and without that added discipline, I might not progress as quickly. But I also do enjoy the freedom of, of the independence and, and the traveling and then going different places and, and really experiencing that. And not everybody has the name and stuff, the ability to market themselves worldwide. But, you know, like I've had people in, in France and Europe contact me in Germany to go over there. So it's like, why not? You know what I mean? Why not travel? Uh, why not send some tapes over to New Japan and just see what I can do? Maybe get, get involved with their program. Because like you said, WWE is not going anywhere. Uh, I've got some some ties and some connections there. And, and that to me, like you look at you know you look at guys that like aj you know and, and ricochet they wrestled for so 15 20 years before they ever made it there right but they were the best wrestlers ever 
before they went there, but Samoa that's like, Joe, yeah, 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 Samoa Joe, yeah, guys like that. So it's like, there's uh, and you, I mean, you look at my dad. It didn't matter what acronym he was working for. He was always on top, and you know, at top of his game, and always trying to be the best. Whether it was ECW, WCW, you know, NWA, whatever, uh, you know, WWF. It was it, it, you're always trying to be the best you can be, and mm-hmm. and I think if you try to live a life where you're, oh, I'm gonna make it to this destination, and then I'm I've made it. Then you're gonna you're gonna fall by the wayside. It should just be a constant, right? Always, always trying to be on top. And in yeah. the different places you go, there's no final destination. You know, like you you are now a singer and a rock star. Like you might not have thought that when you were wrestling and stuff. You were like, oh, I'm just gonna try and make it to WWE. But but now you're just like keeping going and going, doing new things, different avenues. Mm-hmm. And with technology, we have the ability to to branch out and do those things more easily. And I think that's what it's gonna be. Last few things. What's the what have you learned the most from like the legacy of your dad reading these books watching videos um interviews that you've seen like the most about my dad yeah like like what like what what have you learned from him from this business is it a character is it athleticism a a mindset i mean is there something that brian pillman your dad uh i guess taught you from beyond the grave so yeah yeah i uh i guess the the biggest thing i've learned and it's kind of Help me grow, you know, growing up without a father is probably one of the most detrimental things to a young man just because. Sure. And I, you know, I hate to say this, but a single mother cannot raise a boy to no, be a man. You need your yeah. dad. You know, she yeah. can raise a boy. And, and I feel like you see that in our gener- in our generation today. You see a lot of soft, uh, soft guys, you know, gr- growing up. And I think what I've learned from his story is just how tough he was and how how hard and how much of a, he was truly an alpha. He was an alpha male. And, I, and it's because he sought out mentors. He sought out guys like Kim Wood. Yes. He sought out all these uh, older men who, who really live that, you know, tough lifestyle and, and really grew up with that. So I think that's the biggest lesson. Without him, I need to find uh, older guys in the business, guys that, that express their masculinity and, and don't uh, don't hold back. And, and really, like you said, like say no. You know, knowing to say no. Like so many people, they want to be the nice guy. They want to do favors for everybody. But you got to know when to say no. You got to know when to stick up for yourself and and he was a fighter too he was a tough son of a gun i mean you read that book it's like he was a street fighter he you know he break people's arm at the yeah, bar if yeah, they talk yeah. and he was a, you know he wasn't a huge guy back then yeah you know it's crazy to think that i go to shows and wrestle and people consider me huge and mm-hmm. i'm 215 yeah you're actually in shape too which is yeah, a rare yeah. thing yeah so it's like i just it, you know i just need to keep that keep that mental mindset of, of, of being on top and, and being uh, strong and knowing when to tell people no and people want me to come out and work for free just be like you know no like you know this is a business yeah. like my father didn't die for wrestling so I could go work your indie for zero dollars just because yeah. you think oh I'm gonna get some exposure you know it's like and, and a lot of guys they're working for free now and Lance hates that he's like he's like if you leave here don't go work for free he's like you know killing our business and stuff and and I just think it, it just it plays to the social the social culture of today and and we need to we need to bring back our roots and and, and go back in time. Do you talk to Lance at all? Yeah, I I message Lance all the time, and and he's busy with his students and sure. stuff. But he always gets back to me, yeah. and it's funny because he's really you know he'll be short with you in messages. But when you talk to him in person, he could just talk for hours, and you can't get him to shut up. But it's like he I guess he doesn't like typing. But when, as soon as you talk to him in person, it's like gosh, you know he can go on forever. He loves. He loves uh, talking, but just so much, he, and he's willing to impart it too. Mm-hmm. You know, you got some of these old school guys that you know they want you to figure it out. You know, they want to speak in riddles and stuff. But, but Lance isn't like that. He really, really just breaks it down, and you know he's a great teacher. I think he was definitely made to do that. Yeah, yeah, like he's yeah. yeah. I mean, really he, he trained at OVW. He trained. He brought up a lot of the women in, on the women's roster in the WWE and stuff. He's just, and he, and he's very good at at teaching specifically the women on how to be how to be better workers and uh, better athletes and stuff too yeah. so i think he's benefiting uh this industry as a whole yeah. last question what's your favorite match that you've ever had uh my favorite match that i've ever had is probably uh, my the 26th my most recent one where i won my first championship oh. yeah so it's funny i had my technically my first match on december 18th which is Stone Cold's birthday. Oh, yeah. And then I won my first belt on March 16th, which is Austin 316 day. <laughs> so I won this belt. And it's funny because they didn't even tell me I was going to win it. They're just like, yeah, we're going to, uh, Jonathan's going to defend his title, Jonathan Wolf. And it was actually the first time I wrestled somebody for the second time. So, you know, the first time it's like, okay, we, you know, we were, the timing was off on a few things. Yeah, yeah. 
but then you get that person's timing. So then this one was even better. Mm. So this is the first time I've had the chance to like improve upon working with somebody. And you know, we, we got, it was a no DQ match. We got all our shit in, had so much fun. I DDT'd him onto the floor. You know, it was, it was cool. What and championship uh, was it? It was, it was the WCWO championship. WCWO. WCWO, yeah. World World Class Wrestling Outlaws. Okay. In uh, Indianapolis. Nice. The promotion's been around for 30 years or something. Wow. Yeah. So uh, his father wrestled and his father's father wrestled. And they the kind of. Uh, the It's the kid that wrestled. Oh, Jonathan yeah. Wolf. Gotcha. Yeah, John, yeah. So his, his grandfather was the Indiana kid, I uh, believe. Okay. And he's IK3. So he's a third generation. <laughs> and he's only 18. Yeah, yeah, but kid yeah. can work. Yeah. yeah. You, know, you, got all, you, you go to these matches a lot of times. The kid can work. Let him tell kid. Yeah. So he's my vet. And he's, yeah, he's, yeah, calling yeah. All the, he's calling all the stuff on the fly. But he's letting me call some stuff. And, and that's, that's why I think it was my best match. Because we had a bunch of spots. Mm-hmm. But if we just did our spots, it would have been a 10-minute match. Of we course. went 24 minutes. I've only had one other 23-minute match, but I always enjoy going as long as I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe one day I can go an hour, like yeah, Kenny or you. Or, yeah. <laughs> but you get blown up. Good stuff, man. You're the WCWO champion, Brian Pillman II. Dude, I think you got a, you got a lot of uh, a lot of good things coming for you in the future. I appreciate you, brother. I've, I've had uh, it's been uh, quite an uplifting uh, time here. I, you know, I, like I said, I was kind of devastated with my injury, but if I can kind of keep marketing myself and, and stay on the social media and yeah, work on my my hold book and stuff, yeah. If you learn a thousand holds, dude, <laughs> next time you're on, I want you to list them. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, <will>. man. <laughs> All right, follow Brian Pillman II on Twitter. He's at Flying Brian Jr., so you can check him out in the ring once his knee is fully rehabbed, which it is. He's now part of the New Heart Foundation in MLW with Teddy Hart and uh, Harry Smith. Uh, and follow Chris Jericho's cruise at, on the Twitter at Jericho underscore cruise. Uh, everything is announced at this point. We're now one month away from setting sail, October 27th from Miami to the Bahamas, and there's still time to get cabins. We are 95% sold out, less than 50 cabins to go, but they're still out there, so if you want to come join the fun you got a book now at chrisjerichocruise.com and remember everything is all inclusive in the price of your cabin all the food concerts live podcasts stand-up shows meet and greets autograph sessions wrestling matches only thing you pay for is alcohol and gambling so come aboard and make history big main event the alpha club versus the bullet club the bucks of jericho or is it y2 jackson versus kenny omega cody and marty Skrull. we also got impact versus ring of honor uh, the slaughter on the water the no rules deck match sammy callahan versus marty Girl. We've got the Dream Match, LAX versus the Young Bucks, and we've got the giant 10-man elimination tag team war of the Young Bucks, Adam Page, Marty Skrull, and Cody versus Brian Cage, Johnny Impact, LAX, and Sammy Callahan. You're not going to see those matches anywhere else. We also got uh, a live talk as Jericho with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, live talk as Jericho remembering Eddie Guerrero with Conan and Rey Mysterio, who will be on the cruise, live talk as Jericho with the entire Bullet Club, live talk as Jericho with Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler, Mick Foley doing his 20 years of hell stand-up show. That's going to be hilarious. Uh, Jim and the King, JR and the King doing their JR and the King live show. And the first round of the Sea of Honor tournament has been announced. Bracket A, Lethal versus Whitmer, Daniels versus Delirious, Skrull versus Titus, Young versus Gordon, Bracket B, Mark Briscoe versus Ferrara, Adam Page versus Kazarian, Cheeseburger versus Beer City Bruiser, Jay Briscoe versus Kenny King. Of course, we got Brandy Rhodes, Mandy Leon, Kelly Klein, Sumi Sakai, the Women of Honor, special guest cruise director SoCal Val, special guest Noel Foley helping out with a little hosting as well, and live music from Fozzie, Corey Taylor of Slipknot and Stone Sour, uh, Phil Campbell, the Bastard Sons, King, the Stir, the Dave Spivak Project, the Cherry Bombs, Shoot to Thrill, who are going to be in an upcoming talk as Jericho, the world's best female ACDC cover band, Blizzard of Ozzy, the world's best Ozzy cover band, live podcast from Keep It at 100 versus Kill on the Town, uh, Beyond the Darkness, telling some scary tales, Colt Cabana and Marty DeRosa doing their unprofessional wrestling show, Busted Open Radio, Dave LaGreca will be there, live comedy for Brad Williams, Craig Gass, Ron Funches, Sal and Q from the Impractical Jokers, book your cabin now at chrisjerichocruise.com, come join the fun, come make history, go do it now, you still got time, and you still got time for this Wednesday, Classic Album Clash returns, it's Van Halen, 5150 versus 1984. David Lee Ross, last Van Halen record, and Sammy Hagar's first Van Halen record. It's me and Rich Ward from Fozzie, along with Michael Starr and Satchel from Steel Panther. It's going to be hilarious. It's going to be a great return of the classic album Clash this Wednesday. Have a great weekend. Come see us in Tampa tonight. Come see us in Fort Lauderdale tomorrow. FozzieRock.com. Have a great time all the time. Best life for all, Steve Monty. And we'll see you next week right here on Talk is Jericho. Oh, yeah!